talking about my hardware. Hello and welcome to episode number 247 of Grumpy Old Bands, February 21st, 2024. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where they're telling me the economy's good, but my grocery bill is telling me otherwise. And from America's left coast, where it'll all be okay soon, I am assured. I'm Ryan Pemrose. It is now okay to turn off your computer. Yeah, and that's our show today. Woo! Best show ever. Just a short one. You know, checking in. This is how much you deserve. A shorty. Well, we thought about doing that. Like every, you know, every dollar. Every show. Every dollar gets you a minute or something like that on the <laughs> uh, the donation front. Was it with the end of last show? Uh, no beret. I think it was like, oh, you guys are finished already. It's like send in a hundred bucks. And we'll do a two hour show. Yeah, uh, send in a hundred bucks at the end of the show, and we'll just keep going. Yes, it'll, it'll we be can a make non-stop you, show. We can make you sick of our voices. Do not tempt us, Digi Guru. He's here. Baron Sir Spud the Mighty is here. It's appreciated. It is appreciated. We could do the donation segment right up front today because it's quick. And uh, Anastasia Treckles with her ten dollars and ten cent monthly. She said she was going to do it, and she's kept her word. And we've kept our word so far. We're doing the shows. Besides oh, that, there were a few boosts, but not many, not many. I mean, the biggest boostogram was Joel W. with 1111, which I think is like a dollar. Is that a right I, about? I mean, you can't really discount it that much considering what Bitcoin is doing these days. Oh, I know. I'm like, well, I'm glad that I have never touched the Bitcoin. Now, I've turned some of the lightning in to gift cards. That was before I knew it was quite easy just to throw the lightning into a Bitcoin wallet. But I've never given the Bitcoin away, never turned that into anything. And I've had some stuff. CSB had sent some Bitcoin along the way that I, for me, you know, doing some stuff for him. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm just letting it sit there. It's probably time to dump it, though. It's probably now time to get yeah, rid so, of it before it crashes. Do you one of those hodl people? Is that? Well, I just keep ignoring it. Like, oh, I don't even, I don't even <laughs> want to know. That's the easiest way to hodl. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't want to think <laughs> about it. It's one of those things. If you think about it, then you start playing the game. And this is what everybody does all down the yeah. line. You hear Adam Curry again telling the story recently about, oh, I thought I was smart when I you know, gave all my cash it all in when it was at whatever. I don't even remember the exact amount. But needless uh, to it, say, it's gone the, the way trick- up. The trick to Bitcoin is knowing the exact 30 second block to buy and the exact 30 second block 30 minutes later to sell. Right. And if you don't, you've missed your opportunity. That's why I can't. I'm sure somebody has created an AI that follows these trends that gets that uses as much power as a mining operation. (laughs) Uh huh. Well, that's probably true, too. But if you know the exact like you said oh uh, if you can hit this correct on a daily basis if you do twice a day one sell one buy 
you know, and you sell everything when it's at the high point. And then when it gets to the low point, you put it all right back in, even with the percentage fees of buying and selling, you'd probably yeah. make a killing. And with the right bot, you're, you're buying at 50 and selling at 20 and that's all in the same day. Uh-huh. Sorry, your money's gone. Just don't <laughs> go to Vegas. Uh, but Joel W with his 1111 said, abiotic is what you're looking for oil with oil and it makes all the oh, yes. sense in the world yeah we talked about that yes on the last uh, show. we we had a couple producers send some resources on abiotic oil and it it is fascinating stuff that i couldn't find any uh mainstream documents to uh confirm any of that stuff who knew i, I know it's it's amazing that we have the internet we have the ability to have information at our fingertips yet still y- you know there's there's a lot of people out there the the uh, the climate change cult who will drop all of the ills of the entire world on greedy oil companies. But I wonder if maybe like hiding the abiotic oil theories and not doing by, by hiding. What I really mean is not doing any research on it at all so that we don't have the body of knowledge. Yeah, we don't want to know. Could, could that be something that greedy oil companies actually want? Because it is in their best interest to make sure that people still think oil is scarce. Well, this is where we are in the information age. It has now come down to who is able to be the gatekeeper for that information. I mean, sure, you and I can put up a website with all of this great information. But if none of the search engines point to it, you're going to get a lot less traffic. Then you're using the wrong search engines. But I'm just saying, you're hoping that there's some search engines that will include it. But, you know, what's your next level of what you would do? You would go to social media and start telling people, hey, we have this great information over here at grumpyoldbenz.com. And then obviously you go to the New York Times and say everything you've ever said is wrong. And here's the correct. And of course, they'll print it, right? It depends. It depends who's running the desk that day. They seem to be very uh, short. New York Times might be a, a. bad choice i was thinking an arbitrary mainstream media but the weird thing is they might actually be turning around maybe maybe they want to do real news again maybe they just don't want to go out of business well that would be one of the other problems when you peddle nothing but garbage nonstop. uh tom tomsky with 777 boost as just a boost and then we just had some people streaming although i will give it to john's bert whatever that is br johns bert who was streaming 200 satoshis a minute that is that's baller work right there wow that is good thing we work. don't have the jingle i know baller but uh <laughs> it's, i mean 200 you, you figure that one out it's like well 200 per minute that actually adds up uh, in an hour and a half two hour show but uh that is it the streamers i mean he was doing that sir sean of the allegheny valley who is always supporting this show and others mix came in per minute weirdo came in with 10 per minute which it's like weirdo you're looking bad john's bird is kicking your ass man (laughs) maybe we need like a leaderboard like during the show and give away prizes and uh yeah yeah maybe we would just want to sell our souls a little bit more isn't that what podcasting is all about or we could do a show how much is a podcaster's soul worth today everybody come on boost boost what you think a podcaster's soul is worth well it's so what you're saying is now that we're we're counting 10 Satoshi at a time, yes. that we really we really didn't get much. So uh, we could 
be petty and go, okay, that's all it, that's it for the show. But no, we are professionals here. We're going to bring you a show. However, I didn't do shit for research this week. Uh Oh, lot going on. Yeah. It's, it's been a little weird. Okay. Um, is there a story well, behind that or is that we prefer? Uh, not well, the, to know the big story this morning was trying to figure out, uh, trying to get my, uh, uh, you know, we didn't even mention this last week, but now for two weeks now, I have been running a uh, brand new instance of a Fediverse server that uh, now has a grand total of two users. At the time, it only had one. Wow. You are uh, doubling in size at a rate. Yes, we, can, we have whoop. doubled in size in only the last seven days. The growth is outstanding because it has uh, me, uh, my Username on the Fediverse. Go, everybody, follow me and and love everything that I post, even though it's not nearly as much as it should be. Uh, I'm I'm certainly no CSB. Uh, I am Ryan at Bemrose.social, and uh, as long as you're looking for random people to post, I'm I'm trying to convince them to post more than once a week. But uh, Tony at Bemrose.social, my brother, now has an account. Well, you went it by Tony hard and not Bemlet. <clears throat> Is he, wait, is he Tony or Bimlet? I think it could have been Tony, but I think Bimlet. I should probably know that. Yeah. Uh, I know he, he mentioned uh, me. He is Tony. So I followed him. He mentioned me and he was like, oh, you know, somebody didn't believe in the financial system. And he's like, but if, you know, I may not believe in Darren, but he could still affect my life. Oh yeah. I I have that in front of me. He, he says, uh, he talked to a guy today that had an email of political atheists. So I commented on it. I don't recall the rest of the email. That's not important. But he told me he's a political atheist because he doesn't believe in politics, which is right there. I, I had to stop a moment when I was reading it just because that that is such a cop out. I don't believe it. Yeah, you can. And the point that I would have made is the rest of his. He said, I had to bite my tongue. I might not believe in Darren, but that doesn't mean he doesn't exist or can't affect me in some way. And I thought I had a great response to that. And no, it wasn't really. Uh, like I said, it comes down to the age old question. It's very similar. If a Bemrose goes into the forest with a chainsaw, who's going to dial 911? So it didn't seem quite right to set up a, a server with the domain Bemrose.social and not <clears throat> invite somebody whose name happens to be Bemrose. Not offer it to the other Bemroses. Yeah. It, it, you know, if there are other Bim Roses out there and you all, well, um, honestly, none of them have uh, ever donated to the, you show know, my, pay, you know, my PayPal account, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's uh, yeah. If you, if you donate and you can prove your name's Bim Rose, Ryan might let you on a server. Or if you just want to be an honorary Bim Rose. Ooh, okay. You're starting to this. They do this in like Scotland and stuff. You know, you could be an yeah. honorary, you know, you own like one third of an inch of land in the Bemrose clans. Uh, why? I think I do have like a like one quarter square foot of land somewhere in Scotland that is in my name. I don't know what that means, but I got it out of a whiskey bottle. So it must be real. <laughs> You're like, what does it take? Well, Assuming I was sober when I got it. How much does it take to be an honorary Bemrose? That's a question you might have to find out. I have out. a certificate that says that I have it. That's important. You're and on. given that I'm probably never going to go visit the place in Scotland, it doesn't really matter. It's that probably whether. really hard to get to. I don't doubt it. Probably high up on a moor. Maybe. But you could probably make get some good whiskey made. Wouldn't I, be a bad I, idea. That's honestly, if I did go to Scotland, I'd, I'd stop in at, at the whiskey house and never bother to visit the high moors. <laughs> like, like, I have like an inch of land around here somewhere. They're like everybody yeah, somewhere, but I don't care. I've got I've got a 
I got a glass right here. Don't need to leave. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than so, a frontal lobotomy. Suffice it to say, uh, my, I, I have uh, the instance is Akama, which is a fork of Pleroma. Ooh, what um, makes it different? Do you know? I don't know. I probably should have re- researched that before putting uh, it on your system. Sure. What what I did was research a lot of recommendations for uh, uh, Fediverse instances for personal servers, and this one came with one of the easiest simple setup guides. That is a plus. I mean, you you were having an issue with it last. We talked about it two weeks ago. Was was it a DNS issue? Was that what it came down to? I did have a DNS issue two weeks ago. Uh, this morning, I had a slight issue where it turns out that the sir or the 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 process that's running it is it's an Erlang process because Pleroma is is written in uh, well, it's written in Elixir, but Ur, uh, Ur, Erlang. Erlang and Elixir, one of them is the language it's written in, and the other is the, the it, it doesn't matter. Either way, the language has uh, what I found out was called a watchdog process that says, if the CPU on the server gets really, really high and the server can't keep up, then just shut it down. <laughs> well, what the hell? How about maybe if you can't keep up, you just keep going and you catch up when the CPU isn't slim. Uh-huh. So... I had a process that was running very, very high CPU and unbeknownst to me, it took the damn thing down because of this stupid watchdog. And I'm guessing a process that had nothing to do with your instance. No, well, it was a process that had a little bit to do with Minecraft. Ah, well, there you go. Of course, that's that's the most CPU eating thing that I ever run. Bemrose needs a new computer to run. So what I need is, yeah, what I need is another server here that that, so that I can just put Minecraft completely separate and have it eat it can here here i'll start feeding it cpus here these are disposable minecraft eat those all you want let's put the services i want to keep up on this other one but no my uh, chunk of my morning was spent going okay well if this thing's got a watchdog process that takes it down whenever it feels like it right i need to put together something that brings it back up yeah that would make sense and i mean it's, it's allegedly the mastodon which is a much higher cpu hog and resource hog will run on a raspberry pi so you would think the pleroma would be a very low resource but yeah if something else is sucking down it is actually CPUs, very low resource uh just mm, a lot well, of disk space needed if you because i'm assuming it's disk space everything. Is, yes. yes disk space is at a premium uh let's see right now if i run top um number one cpu eater is java but that's Minecraft server. Um, Akama is actually number two. And then behind that is LND. And those are basically the only long processes I've running on this machine. Nice. The other thing is I probably shouldn't be running a public facing website on the same machine as my lightning node. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I like to live dangerously. And hey, also hackers, stupid. how you doing? Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, you can. <laughs> For for the low, low price of finding a way to hack my Akama server, you too can get all of the Bitcoin that has been sent to my Grumpy Old Ben's account. No, you don't get anything at the Grumpy Old Ben's account. (laughs) That's all sitting in a uh, Get Albi wallet. Yes. Yes. You if if you manage to hack in, you could find the couple hundred Satoshis that I have in this node right now. That's really one hell of a treasure hunt for all the work you'd have to do. 
And Ryan's like, well, as long as you just tell me how you broke in so I can fix that, then you can have the 200 Satoshis. Or or at least, you know, actually it's more, it's better. Tell me how you broke in so that I can use that against someone else because Ah, that'd be more profitable. Somebody else with a much higher lightning wallet. uh, Yeah. A lot more filled. Like there's other podcasts out there that get much more donations than me. I I know that's hard to believe. Yeah. (laughs) Who knew? Yeah. People just don't like tech news anymore. Or, you know, I don't do tech news anymore, not oh, nearly maybe, often enough. Maybe that's the problem. It's all AI. It's all AI. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was digging through stories the last couple of weeks. I really was going to do an angry tech news last week, and I ended up not doing it simply because I trolled through. I have, you know, about three places that I will go that aggregate news stories, and I'll just look for headlines that are interesting. Nothing. Just like nothing. I mean, seriously, there were no stories last week that interested me enough that I could build a decent rant about it. There was a, what what do we have? There was the one about the Cybertruck manual that advises owners to immediately remove bird poop and dead bugs from the vehicle and that (laughs) Cybertrucks are already like the first ones rolled out. People park it outside and it already starts corroding. Like that was a great ha ha ha. But it's just schadenfreude yeah i mean it's i'm just going through some of the usual aggregators there's a lot of mobile network stuff and we just don't care you know us when i see us uh, cellular at&t you know blah 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 walmart bought vizio right 2.3 billion dollars who cares yeah (laughs) that's not tech news well it's 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 financial news is what it is and it means that, uh, you know, you might draw some conclusions about the future quality of Vizio TVs, but anybody who's bought a Vizio TV can already draw their conclusions about it. I don't know. There's just so many stories that I just, yeah, where, where's the news? What's going on? Are well, we in the, the dead zone of tech news? We may be. Because nobody really cares about the gear anymore for a long time. It was, well, let's see what the next iteration of whatever is going to be, whether that was an iPhone, whether that was a graphics card for your PC. There was interesting stuff. People were excited because things were moving forward at good paces. Now, with as good, doesn't matter which side you're on, whether you're running Windows, whether you're running Mac or whether you're running Linux, the hardware is pretty damn good right now there's very few people sitting around going you know if i only had a cpu that was twice as fast my day would be revolutionized we're at that point you know even if you're doing video encoding with at 4k these latest graphics cards that you can buy for your windows or linux machines and then the new mac with their new m2 silicon or the up to m3 silicon that just blows this stuff out of the water it's nice, but it's like, was, there, what are we waiting for in tech now? I don't remember who said it, but there was a corollary to Moore's law that I always liked. That was, you know, Moore's law is, is effectively that hardware keeps getting more and more powerful on a, a, a exponential curve, a paraphrased uh, Adam Curry would chastise me for getting it wrong. But the corollary was, and software developers will find ways to waste the computing power at the same rate. Cottonwood may be right. Battery life is still the thing. It is that people want. And this is 
we have just been so programmed and i know you don't have one of these watches the apple watch it's like you have to charge it once a day i mean really unless you run it in no power mode the last time i wore a watch you put it on and you don't have to charge it ever it will break before you have to charge you will die of old age before it needs a charge it's probably a swatch watch or something cool like that phones the same actually the last one i had was was a pretty nice uh not not you know, not so much Rolex, but uh, like a jewelry style watch, kind of a knockoff. I mean, it wasn't super expensive, but it was about a $50 watch and it just told time. Now, the last one I had before that would have been a decade and a half earlier. And no, it was one of the really cool calculator watches that had the button the size of a pinhead. It had a right. grid of, but- of rubber buttons. And yeah, you literally needed a pin in order to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, uh, the buttons were always colored blue or black because you used a ballpoint pen to poke them because the fingers would not do what you had to even, do. Even kid fingers, which I had at the time, were not small enough for these buttons. You know, phones it, had, are- it had a full four function calculator in a watch. Oh, my God. The future is here. You could cheat on those tests if anybody couldn't see your watch. Uh, the teachers learned to notice when like, because we, as kids, we thought we were sneaky wearing them on our wrists. Right. Now they just let kids have laptops sitting on their desk. <laughs> yeah. The cotton gin yeah. says, of course, sir. Bemrose had a calculator. Watch. Of course I did. What disdain that was typed with. I can't even imagine. <laughs> of course. Uh huh. No, no then surprise. Somewhere around ninth or 10th grade. I learned to do in my head every calculation that was available on the calculator watch, and it became unnecessary. It's not like these things were, oh, I don't know, the cell phones that you probably grew up with. Fucking Zoomer. Uh Mm -hmm. Cell phones are the same thing now. You still have to. I mean, there are some of those that maybe you can get a day and a half out of, again, depending on what you're running, what kind of brightness and all of that. If, if people, you're the average person who has 73 apps or or you're particularly battery frugal and only have 55 apps uh-huh. and you really do what you can, you can you can eke out a few extra minutes out of it. But for most people, it's still a daily thing to charge. We are just so used to. Everything needs to be recharged that you forget that there used to be uh, the original cell phones, those little uh, flip things. You could go days with those without original. I, I was a little bit too young to be trusted with a phone at the time, but the original cell phone that I remember was about the size of this keyboard and had a battery, uh, you know, the size of a medium sized loaf of bread that you, it was replaceable because you got about two hours of talk time on a battery. Yeah. Well, if you were talking, that's a lot. Or no, I mean, I'm sorry about two hours of standby time, maybe a half oh, hour. of. Time. Yeah. Well, that's no <laughs> something good. like, my dad had one of these because he had a job that took him all over the county and it was, it was analog, which meant that there was a whole lot of place in the county that you couldn't use it at all. But it, all honesty, it probably, if, if you didn't make any calls, probably got six hours of time before it just died on its own. So he had two extra batteries he carried in the car for this thing. That's why you could plug it right into your car. I mean, they had the cigarette lighter things, but they were hardwired into the cars as well. Yes, there was that adapter. I don't remember if we had the he, we might have, but but yeah, I, that's what I remember. Like this thing, including the antenna, it's the length of your forearm and uh, weighed probably six to eight pounds. Uh huh. I bet you. You hold a lot it up to people. your ear. It's the size of your head. 
a lot of people don't even realize that there was a time with the cell phones where they only existed in the car, that they weren't even portable, that it was just strictly it had to be hardwired into the car. It was I, the size I, there's of a, a lot of people out there who do not genuinely cannot fathom the idea that you could only make phone calls at home. Right. Right. Like the very idea that while you're out, you can't call anyone from the grocery store is completely mind blowing to people. And back but, then it yeah. was really cool that you had a phone in your car. And you like, and yeah, you said, a phone in the car was a luxury. You were fucking wealthy. You said they were analog. Yes. They were also like four or five watts when they first came out. So yes, they the- were. You could, <laughs> you could talk to somebody and microwave your the left side of your brain. Uh huh. So you had to know where, you know, where you were putting that suitcase was important uh, as well. Yeah. You know how, you know why I'm not so worried about the radiation put out by handsets with 5G? Because I had one of those. Right. Like if that didn't kill me, this is going to do nothing. The kids today, man, they're just they're like, what, what's they're like, what is a uh, one, a calculator? I mean, they, they used to actually be individual things. They didn't just show up on your phone screen. All of these devices that we had that we thought were like the phone can do everything now. Little mini flashlight. That's the phone. You want to hold up a lighter at a concert? We used to actually have lighters, kids. Now it's the phone. I still do hold up lighters and I do it right underneath other people's phones. (laughs) Like, hey, it's hot, baby. (laughs) Make that thing just explode. Technology was a little different. Yeah, back in the day, they weren't cell phones. The cotton. Okay, here's a here's a question. We we jumped straight from from lighters to cell phones at concerts. Did it ever catch on to use laser pointers? Because shining those up on the stage, you might actually have an effect. Yeah. You might actually have somebody die. <laughs> or at least go blind. Uh-huh. Like always just bring your own light show. That's fine. Let's see other stupid news. Comcast and Paramount exploring a streaming deal. Who cares? Uh, Baron Spud the Mighty posted something about uh, something from Schneier on security. EU Court of Human Rights rejects encryption backdoors. This is totally the kind of thing that I would bring to Grumpy Old Ben's if I'd read it. Well, but do they really know if they're there or not? Well, it, 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 you or can would- make lots of things illegal, but if it's unenforceable or something that you'll never detect, then it'll go underground you know, under the radar for and a long knowing time. Knowing the EU, even if they wanted and, and, and they were forcing the companies to do the encryption backdoors, wouldn't you still tell people that we rejected it so they wouldn't be afraid and they'd keep? I am pretty sure that the EU doesn't let enforceability have any bearing on whether or not it'll pass laws. The whole encryption argument is just tiring that oh well for the children we have to make sure we can read what these other people are saying it's like well then nobody gets to have encryption you don't get to decide which means your banking information going from point a to point b can no longer be safe because you don't believe in encryption because the terrorists might use it it's insane and it's also one of the things like ai that's out of the fucking bottle never going back in People can create all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like it's never going away. You just have to tell your kids, tell your grandparents, because both sides seem to have issues understanding these things. I guess even every age is, you know, this concept that people are still falling for the, oh, no, they called up and said they had my granddaughter and it sounded just like her. It's the way of the world now. 
So apparently this is the ECHR, European Court of Human Rights, that decided to, it was a suit regarding Telegram and decided that uh, Telegram's user rights had been violated because, because people were trying to put back doors into it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in favor of this. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a dumb moment of, Hey, that this is the way it should have been. If the, pr the problem with encryption backdoors ultimately is that the moment people find out they have it, then the backdoor is not useful, not because it's not there, but because people stop using the service or at least the people who want privacy stop using the service that has a backdoor. So you have to keep it secret. And even Bruce Schneier knows that security through obscurity is, is at best a very temporary thing. So yes. And uh, I don't yeah, good for EU way to, you know, suddenly remember that maybe citizens rights mean something. I think it was a fluke. They probably just screwed up. Well, it's the, the concept again, that encryption is, bad it's like guns oh no guns are bad guns are the problem it's like no criminals are the problem same thing yeah with encryption encryption isn't bad it's the fact that you have people communicating in a closed system that governments for years that's how they caught the bad guys they were able to monitor communications and if the bad guys are able to communicate in a way that you can't listen in well that makes the government's job way harder I but fuck them that doesn't mean the rest of us don't get encryption again you want to send your bank account you want to send that credit card through every time you go shop at amazon well without encryption there's going to be eight thousand people in the interim that are going to get that credit card number that are going to use it for illegal purposes you're going to be changing your credit card number every day oh yeah there's thousands of legitimate uses for encryption that are not criminal and in fact protecting yourself from criminals is a big one the the reason, and I know we've discussed this on the show before, the reason why law enforcement wants encryption backdoors is because they're really lazy. Uh, if they can listen in, well, let's, let's imagine that it works. Let's imagine that we are in some kind of awesome world where criminals only communicate over broken protocols that have backdoors then law enforcement becomes really easy because every time two criminals talk to each other and plan a heist somewhere, law enforcement knows about it and can be there to catch them. We win. Now, totally unworkable, but I don't, I mean, the worst part about it is the, the civil liberty violation and the fact that you are completely screwing up all kinds of very legitimate uses. But even besides that, the moment that criminals find out, and most of them aren't that stupid, well, okay, most criminals are kind of stupid, but the kind of criminals that you need to catch are not dumb. They, the moment they have a modicum of knowledge about encryption, they find out, hey, you know, Telegram has a backdoor, to take an example. Let's use something else. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, these are things that the government doesn't understand the technology and they think they can legislate something that makes sense and they can't. Well, ultimately the problem that I have with government, at least modern statism is they think they can legislate reality, right? Like, you know, the, the real world doesn't work the way that, that you say that law, it doesn't matter if I pass the law, then the real, the reality will change to fit. Like people say, you know, 
humans should not commit crimes anymore. Just pass that legislation. Yes, they, they shall not do it. Well, they kind of have. That's why nobody's going to jail. Now, just <laughs> it's, some, hitting somebody in the that's head. That's not with the, the same. That's not the same as preventing people from committing crimes. That's putting your head in the sand. True. NetNet says uh, Adobe Acrobat recently added generative AI to, quote, easily chat with documents. What the fuck does that mean? He asks what that chat means. Chat with documents. Yeah. I, these documents are lonely. They want to talk it's, to you. It's like Tinder for paper. What it means is you can do a normal language query so if you have documents that have a bunch of your uh financials you could say hey adobe acrobat am i fucked am i bankrupt and it would be able to tell you well yes according to the data you are fucked you know it's an interesting concept because a lot of times we, on the show for instance every time we talk about one of these bills that the government needs to pass before we can understand what's in it if you can take this 500 page bill and upload it to a chat GPT type AI and assuming again that the accuracy rate is where you need it to be, that's always going to be a little questionable, but <laughs> let's damn it. Assume, I was drinking coffee. You know, let's just assume you have that accuracy. Well, then you, you could go. You said the accuracy rate is where we need it to be right as I was taking a sip of coffee. And you want to just spit that right out. It huh? almost went into my microphone. <laughs> But we're just assuming. I mean, we know that's not where we're quite at yet. But if we get to that point where the accuracy rate is 99 point whatever percent, and you can then go, okay, here, look at this 500 page bill and then ask it a simple question like, how will this affect X, Y, Z? And it gives you an answer based upon that text. It's just, this is absolutely great technology. But you also then have to go back and double check because lawyers are finding out yeah. when you ask chat GPT and they give you an answer and you don't double check it, you might wind up on the wrong side of the law. And what you're talking about is using technology to eliminate the jobs of millions and millions of lawyers. Yep. They, I, I, I just made the connection. What if all of this policy push to, block AI on the basis that it could kill us all is really just, we don't trust AI because it's going to put lawyers out of business. Yeah. Cause we trust lawyers. Well, the Shakespeare might've had it right. Are you not going to quote it? Oh no, I, I don't remember the quote, but it was something to the effect of first thing we do, we kill all the lawyers. Yeah. There's a reason and, for it. I mean, if you can get the technology there, it would be great. It would have people able to understand concepts you know you can take very complex things and be able to break it down i had a uh, I, I think net net just paraphrased the argument perfectly on the one hand i am for less lawyers on the other hand fuck ai yeah now here i can tell you it wasn't perfect i did a little experimentation over the weekend because i've been putting off redoing a website for my buddy that owns the carpet store and the uh, Italian restaurant. But I, you know, I owe him. So I'm like, okay, I want to get this done. And the menu for his restaurant, the guy sent me that manages his place, a PDF, which everybody's got their menu in PDF, you know, or it was in, a, in an Excel thing that they created the PDF with, which was just in horrible shape. 
And I'm like, how do I take this for, I'm just moving them over to the Squarespace site, which they don't support this show or anything, but they have a very cool way to do restaurant menus as a text file where you just take the heading. So, you know, if it is a, you know, burgers, you could just do burgers. Then you underline that with a few dashes and it knows that's the section head. And then you could have the items and every item is you have a name, you have then the next line, a description if there is one. And then the next line is the price. So I'm looking at this PDF and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to cut and paste. I don't want to do this shit uh, by hand because it'll take forever. So I uploaded the PDF to chat GPT four and was like, here, I want it in this format. And while it wasn't perfect, it was 95% of the way there. Saved me. I mean, did it save you? Did it save you time? Yes. Okay. Hours of time. Okay. And again, it was I mean, what, what you're describing here is one of the reasons why I despise PDF format oh, so yeah. much is uh, programmers. I don't know if programmers remember this today because frankly, a lot of them are really fucking stupid, but at least back in the day, we were generally aware that it is good design to separate your data from your presentation layer. It's one of right. the reasons, for example, we have HTML and CSS are different yes. uh, technologies. In the reason is, well, the, the practical reason that nobody likes to talk about is that there are very, very few people who are good at both. For example, the reason why front end and back end are two different specializations in programming, because the people who understand the data well are not the people who, get, who are good at design. So PDF is is here, here's a thing where we've taken and we've baked and rolled together all of the data you want with a proprietary design that if you want to parse it, you have to peel it away and do a lot. It, yeah, okay. You know, and I help, I really, I don't know. I was questioning this. I, I held back a joke about hookers and front end and back end being different. I mean, was that, the, was that the proper? No, I'm thinking that now. I'm like, was that the proper call? Like, no. Yeah, it might have derailed uh, what was could have been a stupid argument. Otherwise, <laughs> should have let that bitch fly. You know what I'm saying? But it uh, was, okay. This is where it's going. I mean, this is where these tools can be useful. Where you can give it something like a PDF file and say, "I would like you to take the data here and extract it in a text format that I can use elsewhere." And it was able to do a pretty good job. The one thing I couldn't seem to get was the item name, description, and price all at the same time. But I did get the item name and the price, which was enough because then I just had to cut and paste the descriptions and make sure they went into the right place. But it saved a ton of time. And I can see as this stuff continues to improve. I mean, the beautiful thing is now that data in like a chat GPT for restaurants you know, you can just go ask it a question like, oh, can you tell me what your fish dishes are? And rather than just spitting out a PDF or taking them to something and saying, here's our menu, it would be able to spit out. Well, yes, we have this, this and this and describe them for you, which is kind of cool. I can see this being useful for some business. I could definitely see it putting some people out of a job. But again, you have to understand where they are with accuracy and exactly what it can do because it was not a it was not a oh just go in and type do this and it did it perfectly but with all that said it still saved me a ton of time and effort and 
I went back and double checked every price. And I'm like, damn, it got every one of them right. Sometimes things just work. I, I, the accuracy is probably the important one. Yes. I, 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 it feels like your mileage may vary. The, it's funny that uh, it's kind of been a, a, a golden idea like that people have wanted for ever since computing started to be able to just talk to a computer in natural human language. Right. And it, it feels like we're getting closer. And I've seen people say, oh, well, you can do that with AI now. And I'm sitting here going, no, I've I've. I've spent the time trying to feed custom prompts into an AI and yeah, it feels more like natural language, but it's still programming because you have to modify what you say in order to get the result that you want, which is what coding is. Right. You have to know there's either a special uh, order that things go in or you, you have to make sure there are certain things, like you said, that have to be exactly right or the system's going to break down. I mean, when, when it can figure out like, if I can go four whiskeys in and slur something to the bartender and the bartender knows what the hell I want, like if an AI can do that, now we're getting somewhere with natural language. And what, you know, what I want maybe might not be what the bartender gives me. He'd be like, oh yeah, there's the door. Right. But I don't know. If we can understand not, the Irish, like, I mean that, then, you know, you got some language models. I cannot going. wait for the hype to, to, to burn down. And finally we start getting real, story i was just going through the role let's see uh north korean hackers use ai to up their game according to ft.com now I, can um, see they, I know they were upping their games with the ai on all of the fishing we had i think talked about that or maybe we did yeah, that's the fishing. fishing um i'm just yes we did talk about that last so who is ft.com and why are they a financial week behind times. in their story financial okay. oh it is yeah okay so Financial Times, uh, you're you're behind. We talked about this last week. What else? Uh, uh, UK and allies look to arm Ukraine with AI-enabled swarm drones. Ooh. I mean, why not just introduce mosquitoes? That's the same thing. Like, what is a swarm drone? They fly in a pack. Is that it? I I imagine. Yeah. Well, I, a drone swarm is is a large number of drones that all communicate with each other in order to do things that look cool. To the thing that I've seen that looks the coolest is when you do some like each one of them has a light that turns on and off and you basically had turn the sky into a pixel display. Oh, the, yeah, those are pretty cool, but I, those are pretty cool. But I don't think that that's what they intend to arm Ukraine with unless no. they want to do, <laughs> they like, want to do put a, a big, a big thing in the sky. Putin. Yeah. We're put, doing a big Putin's movie face in the sky or something. Yeah. We're putting on a show. It's going to be great. We'll have music. We'll have fireworks. We'll kill all y'all with the. The weapons yeah. that are coming off of it. Well, that's I, how you'll get the kids to come out and watch it in those areas. Yeah, that, so that was Bloomberg that, you know, scare everybody that Ukraine is going to have AI enabled swarm drones. I, I would be absolutely amazed if the seventh generation of that stuff works even remotely, or if they can get it working at all before they abandon it. But Hey, you know, military contractors, they get enough money thrown at them that they'll just keep trying for 20 years before it works. Uh, what else? Tech giants pledge action against deceptive AI in elections from NPR. Didn't we cover that last week too? Isn't everything a deceptive in, ele- in an election, but it sounds from isn't everything AI deceptive. Isn't True. everything in elections. Isn't everything NPR reports on deceptive. Yes. Yeah. That's when you hear NPR. That's when I'd say, Ooh, um, BBC AI hiring tools may be filtering out the best job applicants. 
well, because, are they are they pushing diversity is that it like oh uh we need more information i mean this is what here here an ai if it was honest would look at a resume it would read because what you get on a resume what you get somebody's name you get their education you get uh, their job experience a really honest ai would be like oh you're a very qualified but are you black do you say that you are LGBTQ? So the BBC's the BBC's bent on this one is uh, they say at least uh, a a 2023 IBM survey of more than 8,500 global IT professionals showed 42 percent of companies were using AI screening to improve recruiting and human resources. In other words, to filter resumes. And I guess they're only filtering resumes. And the BBC's bent on this is. Body language analysis, vocal assessments, uh, gamified tests. Uh, there are all kinds of things uh, that might make a person a good candidate that aren't on a resume. And, well, that's very true. But this is oh, all, whether it's AI doing it or humans doing it. That's always been if you get and a I have ton to congratulate the resumes. BBC on their restraint. It's not until paragraph three that they start going all racist as well. <laughs> Talking about uh, e- equality. I, you know, here's okay. I I am with you that resumes are not a good way to get the totality of a person, and therefore, if you do a bunch of pre-filtering, then there is always the chance. But all of the relevant stuff should probably you should try to put it on the resume if that's possible. Is it? I'm willing to be proven wrong, considering that um, I I don't well, have a, a job in the IT industry anymore. Be, I mean, well, we have been taught as a society certain things that education for a job is somehow important, even though a lot of jobs have nothing to do with the education that you just got. So it's a little different if somebody went to Columbia and studied broadcast journalism, and that means they got some real life experience either behind the microphone or behind the camera if they're doing the production work that's a lot different than well you're hiring somebody to do uh, you know to be a sales rep for your company well what's the difference then if somebody went to harvard or somebody went to berkeley or somebody went to depaul university what's the difference well, then you know there? they're woke well this is it like, you know let's say you're kind of like why are we you know, what is the AI using? I'd be very curious. And I don't know if the AI can even explain it because we still don't know how AI works. I would be very curious if I could like feed chat GPT, which is the most common AI being used, I would guess. If I can get, you know, everybody in the troll room, give me your resume. And then I upload it all to chat GPT and be like, well, who would you hire out of these and why? And, you know, the why would be the most important. So I have to back up a little bit. The I, I went farther down while you were talking in the BBC article, and uh, the real AI that they're saying is a problem is AI tools where you feed videos of somebody into it, and it is evaluating them based on based on their body language, for example, uh, and other criteria. And the AI is just filtering, and apparently nobody seems to know what the real criteria are, but it says uh, the AIs are discriminating based on age, race, and sex. Um, I mean, like real people. Yeah. That's weird that it's finally starting to be like real humans. Uh (laughs) Uh, But they're, 
They're saying that AI tools should be banned. In, well, they're not saying banned, but they're suggesting that AI tools, we need to slow companies down from using AI tools because they might discriminate. But people discriminate. Um, let's see. Uh, giving people extra marks if they listed baseball or basketball are hobbies that are linked more to, often to successful staff. But they point out also hobbies that are more likely to be listed by men. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Depending Those on who what, mentioned softball were downgraded. Well, it depends on what your data set is and <laughs> what it is in your data set that says somebody that lists that on a resume should be graded higher than somebody who lists the uh, softball. Because there's got to be something in the data set that it's looking at you know, you have the resumes from people that have been your employee for the last 10 years and you have their evaluations and you're like, huh, weird. The people yeah, with the know, most evaluations somebody, have this in common. As somebody who's been shit at sports for 30 years, I don't think that listing sports on your resume should count against me at all. No, but why people do, because they're like, I have nothing else to put on my resume. I watch, I watch NASCAR every weekend. Yeah. It, I, what do I do? Like, do I start just putting, yeah, I do a tech podcast on my resume. Yes. I, if, if they knew which one that'd probably count against me, but yeah, if they get to the transcripts or if they find our chat GPT, yeah. that comic strip blogger put together. I, I mean, discrimination in hiring is, has been a thing as old as hiring. I guess the BBC is just unhappy because they're discriminating the wrong things. Uh, Maybe because it all depends on what that job is for if you're looking for a programmer for instance i mean you know programmers who are not really good at interpersonal communications but they're great at what they do the, some uh, the, of them they the fact that they may be uncomfortable you know not very suave not very smooth in an interview yeah might not, not shower you know right well that's hygiene's a totally different thing you may just want to put a shower at the front of the uh, building so before people can even come in like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when you know. when you're hiring for programming candidates, that's probably what you should do. Is just have people walk through one of those. Like, raise your arms, okay? Yeah, get the delousing cream. Yeah, it's like before <laughs> you even come on in here. It's like, have you have you not left your basement in the last five years? Yeah, what man? We noticed that on your resume, your last position was working from home. So over here is the mandatory decontamination chamber. Yeah, you want the job, you got to be deloused. <laughs> but on the other hand if you're hiring somebody to do sales or something where they have to speak eloquently and they have to be understandable then i have really zero problems with an ai parsing what they're saying and their body language and being like well this person is uh you know showing red flags this is you know here are reasons why the people that they will be trying to sell to might not buy from them you know one maybe they can't speak two maybe their body language is very hostile and unlikable all things that could probably be fixed and worked on if you hired the people as an employee but if you're looking for somebody that can communicate well then why not use an ai to figure out how well the person communicates the, the simple fact is that, uh, you know, and this is the problem that, again, for as long as there has been hiring has been, you know, people on both sides want to be able to connect the, the right. Well, pe 
People hiring especially want to be able to find the right candidates. It's not like they're trying to find the wrong candidates, but putting a resume out, trying to get hired, that is marketing. Putting a job opening out there is trying to sift through the marketing. That's what resumes are. It is an incomplete view of what people are like. The interview process is trying to get a bit more complete view. I have always been of the opinion that the, you know, unless you can somehow condense the entire totality of a person's life and experiences and, and make that available, which by the way, the amount of data being collected on people, we're getting closer and closer to that, but we're not there yet. The only other alternative is you take a chance on people. And if you're in one of those countries or, or states where it's possible to let someone go when they don't work out. Right. Then you just let them go and go find a new one. Now, if you're in France or, or a place where the moment that somebody is hired, the regulations say you can never, ever, ever, ever fire them again, then you got to be real picky. And I don't know what you do other than move the fuck out of France. Yeah. There's states uh, like that. Come on. We all know that's coming. Baron Spud the Mighty says, uh, you just have to use the right language when talking about uh, your resume. And you know what? I use English, which is apparently the wrong fucking language in this industry these days. Yeah, you don't want to use that. And I am kind of offended that NetNed is turning other people on to other shows while listening to this show. I'm kind of offended that NetNed. Just just that he is? Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. There, I had an article from Wired. This was from uh, two weeks ago. Music piracy is back in a big way especially from YouTube. And I was like, is this even, did you say YouTube or YouTube? YouTube. Like is Bono pirating things now? Could be Bono's like really crazy. He's out there. Like I just need to download everything. Or he's, he's probably on the other side. He's probably bitching like piracy exists. And therefore my work is no good. Uh, Well, well, no Bono, that's not the reason your work is no good. The intriguing thing here is again, a, Big difference than when you were you and I were growing up listening to music when the best way to get the music was still to buy the CD, you know, before the Napsters and all that. But most major artists now, most major labels and almost all of the smaller artists all have something in common. And that is they put their music up on YouTube because they want to be discovered. They can monetize it. But the reality is. And piracy is a YTDPO way. Uh huh. That's it. That yeah. there are open source programs that are very easy to just download anything that is on YouTube. It's like I do it probably a hundred uh, times at least a week. Download something from YouTube because I do it for clips over on Planet Rage. I do it for the songs that I get requested on the Rock and Roll pre show because I want to have everything locally. Arr, you scurvy dog. Arr, so I put the YouTube link in, you know, it's a, just you, you press it, you know, it, you go to YT, DLP, whatever it is, and then you put the YouTube link in and boom, it just goes to your hard drive. So I don't know if you could, I'm like, is that even really piracy? It's just saving I me. Mean, I get it. It is that it's just saving something to your computer, but this is the lowest bar to piracy that we have ever had because the music industry the minute an album is released by an artist, the whole thing is up on YouTube for people because they want people to be able to listen to it. And it just shows you again, it's the advertising bit because they put it up because if you listen, they can make money, you know, portion of a cent every time you listen to a song, whatever it is. The, the fundamental problem with 
with DRM and with all copyright enforcement in general is when you look at it from a threat modeling security perspective, you are trying to enforce some kind of security on something. But, and, and anybody who, who has done security theory will follow me on this. Your adversary is the person you're trying to give the data to. There is no security right. model that works for this. You, you, you it, it's a, you know, the, the classic example in security theory is Alice is trying to get a message to Bob and doesn't want Carol to intercept it. But Bob and Carol are the same person. You're, you're trying to give a message to Bob and make sure Bob can't intercept it. That's the core problem with DRM. Right. It doesn't, it can't work. It, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, oh, because of this particular technical bit, it doesn't work in this case. No, it can not work in the general case. You are trying to solve an impossible problem. You're, you're, you're past P equals NP. This is provably not a possible problem to solve. And they keep trying it. And all they can do is make it more difficult, which just annoys the people who try to get your stuff. Right. I mean, because the mentality for somebody like me who actually pays for YouTube. So I never see ads. There's really no difference for, you know, I'm not seeing ads either way. So what's the difference if I download it? I guess every time you would watch that video, if you're a paid member, even though you're not seeing ads, that person is probably still getting a portion of your, you know, monthly stipend to YouTube. But I can understand where a variety of people would not even think this was piracy. It's like, let's see, I pay for youtube without ads so technically anything that's on youtube i should you be able download. to download and listen to watch whenever i want because i'm sure. not hurting anybody because i don't watch ads the the dichotomy you're talking about is the fact that what's legal and more what's moral are or and what's ethical are not the same thing right because like i pay for this so i pay for ad free listening is, to whatever albums are up on youtube music is is piracy legal Usually not considering the power of the copyright regime is piracy ethical Depends. case by case basis. But right. a lot of time, a lot, a lot more often than, than the copyright regime would let you believe. And I just think a lot of people wouldn't even look at this as piracy because with like YouTube premium, I don't know with music, but I know with video, you can download a lot of that stuff for watching when you don't have an internet connection. I would think this would be the same thing. Like, well, the new uh, Bare Naked Ladies album is up on YouTube, so I'm just going to download it. I mean, I pay for it. I get it without ads, so I can listen to it there, but I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be online, so I'll just download it. Like, that doesn't seem like piracy to me. It, it, it depends on who you ask, I suppose, and and how much profit motive they have in right. preventing you from watching it when you want and where you want. Right, because we know that all of these streaming services are you know, paying the artists a fair share. The 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 problem from a legal perspective is that you don't buy content anymore. You know, if Correct. if you buy something, then right of first sale says that you have the ability to do whatever the hell you want. The moment that you finish and complete that first transaction, it's now yours. You can do whatever you want with it, which is what you're, you're arguing from. But Correct. somewhere along the line, the legal justification amongst copyrighted works and uh, the 
slowly the language has changed to you don't own this anymore. You have bought a license to it and licenses the big giant corporation with their contracts of adhesion can put whatever terms they want. If they say that you can only play this on a Wednesday at right. 1 p.m. when there are two blow bags on the podcast, then that's the only time you can play it. And that's the legal because that's the license that you quote unquote agreed to when you clicked, you know, by by agreeing to use this content, which is, of course, a contract of adhesion. And I don't think they should be enforceable. But what I think and what is legally binding tend to be different as well. The the problem ultimately is that. Companies. We we have gone away from the idea that you can buy anything. You can't buy content. There is no content anywhere that you can buy. The only people who can buy content are billionaires who can rip off the artists and say, oh, yeah, you can't use your content anymore because we own it. But you have to pay a lot of money for that. You, me, the little guy, we're not buying. We're acquiring a license to it. And right. uh, it, that's when I start looking at, you know, if 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 buying something isn't owning it, then pirating something isn't stealing it. Shiver me timbers, bitch. That, cause this would be my question, because I don't buy digital content. I'm curious if there is any business out there, anybody that is selling digital content, whether it be music, TV, movies, whatever it is, books may be a little bit different. But for the music, television, movies, is there anywhere where you can go buy a video and then it's like, well, here's your download. You get to download it and save it on your own. Is there anybody that does that? Or is it literally all just a streaming thing? Like, well, with Amazon, well, yeah, you could buy it, but it sits on our servers. And when you want to watch it, you have to use our own. Well, there's, app. there's a, I mean, there's a lot out there, but you're not going to find it in the giant corporate owned services because it's not as profitable to let people own the things they pay for. It's far more profitable to let people pay you money and actually own nothing at all. Because they'll pay you money over and over again. Um, it, where you have to go is places like Creative Commons. If you want, you know, if you want to download a video that is straight up open for anything you want to do with it, then uh, I mean, yeah, I was CC zero. I was intrigued. Uh, public that, domain. That there go, is, go grab Steamboat Willie. Well, yeah, you can. You can now. That's great. But I saw the other day on uh, one of my favorite pirate sites, there was software, and the company that the software was from. It you know it's not a GitHub thing. It looks like it's an actual company that sells the software, but it's nothing but oh. You have an Amazon Prime account. You can download whatever the fuck you want. Oh, you got a Hulu account. You can download whatever the fuck you want. I'm like, interesting one that they're able to be in business and not suit off the face of the earth. But this probably below the radar. Maybe for now. <laughs> if, if they ever got big enough, they would be. And I want to see this on a T-shirt. Baron Spud the Mighty. I want to see you in a black T-shirt with the white text. I systemically buttfuck DRM on physical content I buy. <laughs> I mean, that is a grumpy that is a motto. T-shirt. Yeah. And you're absolutely now, right. Now I need a coffee cup with that. Yes. It's got to be a bigger cup. That's a lot of text, but it will, it'll fit. We can make it fit. It's like that is the, uh, the mentality of you. Don't tell me I'm buying. 
when Amazon, you know, I'm, I can't buy something from Amazon if Amazon is aware that in two years, three years, 12 years, they may lose the rights to have that because they're, you know, they're under a window right now. They only have the rights for X amount of time. But it's amazing to me how, again, we have become just so used to doing things. We've been trained that, oh, well, buying digital content means it's sitting on somebody else's hard drive. And if they go bankrupt, I'm fucked. <sighs> that, which is why true archivists know that it's you don't have the digital content until it's sitting on your hard drive. Yes. Which is why piracy is always highly recommended for you to have a backup. And, you know, it, it's. It, we I know I know we've made this point before plenty of times, but ultimately these services, the streaming services, are not competing against each other. They are all competing against piracy. And everything about it is everything about it is on the piracy side. It is, is it more convenient to pirate or not? And yeah, okay, if I want to go, you know, don the peg leg. I got to I got to get a browser that has Tor or my, you know, get hook up my VPN, go find a BitTorrent client, find the right seed, make sure to sift through, find out if it's good, make sure it's not a honeypot. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of inconvenience. And when it's really easy to get the content you want from Amazon Prime and really hard to get on piracy, you go to the streaming service. But the moment Amazon Prime is like, oh, and you have to pay us a bunch more or you get a bunch of interstitial ads. And I'm like, well, in that case, where's me pirate hat? Yeah, nobody wants to watch ads. It is all about whether or not, you know, how much, where is the value proposition? How much can these big companies fuck up their product to make piracy better or, you know, or be better than piracy? And I think most people look at YouTube differently because overall it's a free service. I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm guessing it's still a vast majority. People that watch YouTube watch it with the ads and they don't pay for the YouTube premium. Yeah. I don't know what that split is, but brainwashed, I think, but I think people look at YouTube as they did open TV. It's like, I always thought it was kind of uh, insane to call it piracy. If I download the latest NCIS that was on last night, why is that piracy? I could have put it on my DVR. I just forgot. Because, you know, it's, because the license that you implicitly signed by watching it said that you were only allowed to watch it on the platform that they deem at the time that they deem in a manner that they deem. And meanwhile, having the advertising that they deem beamed directly into your head in the process. Yeah, you're like, but it's free, man. It's on the open air. It's on the it's on the bandwidth, man. I hate the word free used for things that don't have money transaction, especially ads, because you are paying with your attention, your time and your brain cells when you watch shit with ads. Do you think people are paying with their attention when they listen to this show? They, they, they're paying, but we make them pay. NetNet says his black friend doesn't want to listen to two angry white guys. How racist. Indeed. How do you know that I haven't donned blackface for this show? <laughs> Would that make it better? <laughs> better or worse, everybody? MoFax is going away. Uh, Should Ryan Bemrose don blackface? Okay, what else and we take got? On uh, the person. You just need a name. I mean, the fact is, I didn't realize, and I didn't mean to say the fact. I mean, that is kind of ironic, but I understand that nobody has actually seen MoFax. So 
He does no, not he, show he his likes face. it that way. As I'm just, is anybody really sure that Mofax is indeed black? I, I am not, but I also determined that it doesn't matter. I know, he seems well, extremely knowledgeable. This is true. But that just shows that a Bembrose can be black, too. I and as one of apparently a very, very, very few number of people who is capable of evaluating the merit of somebody's arguments, independent of their identity, race, gender and other immutable completely irrelevant characteristics. I like Mo for what he says. I don't give a crap what he looks like. I don't even care that he's a he. Is he? he How do we know he, he hasn't been using a voice changer this whole time? We don't. Would that change your opinion of what he says? Okay, now here, let me ask you this. At the end of episode number 100, which I believe is the final episode of MoFax with Adam Curry, have they finally recorded a hundred of them? Uh, they're getting there, but I believe that was the plan that episode 100 will be the okay. last one. I, I remember that plan. I do not remember if there has been an episode 100. Yet. I just want to float this. What if at the end of episode number 100, Adam Curry reveals he is MoFax using a voice changer. That would be awesome. That would be the kind of thing <laughs> that, that the trolls on no authority social could talk about for years uh-huh yeah i saw somebody um i'm sorry i'm forgetting if you're listening who who it was but somebody posted uh is it me or is uh no authority getting very 4chan ish and i'm like yeah you know what <laughs> you know what yeah who could have seen that coming uh-huh like that is a very well well called accurate i think I, the the latest thing and and i haven't been paying close attention to it because it doesn't impact me but apparently They've been having a problem with spammers and they the spammers have always been there where they go in and start posting spam. But the big change has been they're not spamming in the message text anymore, which is easily filterable, even from an admin level. And this is something that's got Aaron or really up you know, panties in a bunch. The now they're posting images that have the spam in them. Yeah, harder. And you know, it's everything that Adam has said about memes. <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. It's like, why not? You, people can read them, but the, uh, the systems are not putting them through any and, uh, character and, recognition. And there is a whole lot of hand wringing going on. And, and again, I haven't been following it super closely, but a whole lot of people freaking out about how do we block this? And I look at the, you know, maybe the fact that I'm in my own instance means that I'm not catching it. And, and it, more importantly, it's an invite only instance. So unless Tony starts spamming me, which he probably no ideas. <laughs> um, but more importantly, even when I was on no agenda social, I know spammers existed, but I never went to the timeline where they were a thing. I, you know, you one of the, the reasons people, why right? I carefully curate who I follow is if somebody starts getting super spammy, oh, sorry, you're not going to be in my list anymore. And if somebody signs up for a free account, randomly pops in and starts dumping gigabytes and gigabytes of spam, well, Aaron or might have a problem because that's his hard drive space, but I don't care because I don't follow him. And if people I follow start boosting the spam, then, oh, sorry, you get unfollowed too. But I guess... I don't use it the same way. Like who is seeing the spam? Is it just people who are watching the federated timeline? 
or the local, it, right? If it's one of those. Well, I guess local. maybe the local one. The uh, post was from Crimea River, which is also a great name for uh, social media. That is that is, yes, that is a great username. And uh, they're over at No Authority Wait, Social. Is, and he's like, is, is it Crimea is, River? Is that the the spammer? No, no. This is the one that posted. Is it me or has No Authority gotten kind of fortunate? Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, the one thing I like about this uh, instance at Planet Rage Social is it's pleroma and there's a search function so i can search for posts something that i was never able to do over on uh, no agenda really i wonder i wonder if mine has a search function and you wonder how much more resources i haven't turned it on uh uh-huh because it will take some resources i believe but uh it is uh an interesting thing to be able to find what you want quickly that is helpful and yes bam come on this is that's going to get more and more creative. People always are going to figure out ways to get spam. This is why having comments on websites is very difficult. Every site, big and small deals with it because they find you. I don't think a lot of people understand if you're running a, any of the big CMS sites. So if you're running a WordPress site, you're running Drupal, you're running Joomla, whatever is around now that's popular. There are bots that do nothing but hit your site and try to see if you match one of these criteria. And if you do, they will try to post shit. Yeah. Like that's all they do all day long. It's not like, oh, no, but I just have a little website. It's only about, uh, you know, Irish women under the age of 35 who uh, have red hair. Nobody's going to go. Nobody's going to find my site. You're on the Internet. Uh (laughs) It's right. You're on the Internet. You will be found. It's just the way it is. You yeah, just now, made me now. Aaron also has an IRC, which I thought was funny. Uh, it, yes, you you actually made me think of. Uh, I have to address this is something that that popped into my head because. Let me just back up. Adam on No Agenda has made the argument multiple times about how he it, it, prior to No Agenda Social going down, he made the argument of he loves the troll room and he dislikes. Uh, the mastodon the fetty because the reason given the troll room is ephemeral it all just scrolls off and goes away and mastodon it sticks around forever and at least a little longer your your comment about the search right well okay let's go to the mastodon sticks around forever only if you have search because otherwise the only way to find old posts is to scroll back and ain't nobody got time for that. Nope. Tried that a few times on something that I really had wished I'd bookmarked or something that was like, oh, who said that? Where was it? How, how, how many days ago was it? Yeah. So I'm not convinced it sticks around forever. And there's, I mean, without a search function, is it, that feels pretty damn ephemeral. But let's go back to the IRC side. I have logs of almost everything said in the troll room going back to 2015. Right. Why? Because my client just stores logs and I have lots of hard drive space and I just occasionally archive and zip it up. And you know what? There's even a search function because I have grep. Right. Which means, yes, I can, if I need to go back and find something that Baron Spud the Mighty said in 2017 in order to beat him down with it. Yeah, that guy's bad. Where's news. the difference? 
You know, Ned, Ned, I don't need to because he says something embarrassing every day. But some people, you have to really go back into the archive. I'm just saying, I have the logs. I'm not the only person. There are lots of people. There are uh, currently 115 people logged in and maybe 15 people who are actively chatting. Every other person there is a bot who is doing nothing more than recording everything that goes on. Yeah, sure. It's probably not being put on a website somewhere for anybody to go and download later. But IRC is no more ephemeral than Mastodon. Well, and as uh, Sir Omaha is pointing out, I'm sure this exists in Pleroma as well. But in Mastodon, you can tell it, delete my messages after X amount of days. So everything you post, it doesn't matter. You know, if you say, as Sir Omaha said, he did seven days on his. If you were looking for something he posted eight days ago, it was gone. It was deleted. Which is one of the reasons why my instance is set to cache all of those and never delete and don't respond to delete requests. Don't do it. I want to see it all. (laughs) Until I run out of hard drive space and then I'm like, okay, we'll start purging. I mean, I think the concept is people... You show up to an IRC. If you were not in there five minutes ago when there was a big troll war, you cannot see it. I mean, it doesn't yes, that's exist. That's true. Only, uh, unless you ask one of the people and, you know, right, show me the logs. I, for, for a price, I will give access to my log files. Where the uh, things that are on a Mastodon or Pleroma server, they're going to be there for everybody to see. So it's a little bit different, but. So the only difference is that the server itself is not archiving as far as you know. Uh, I'm sure it is. I mean, knowing Void Zero, actually knowing Void Zero, he doesn't give a crap. So no, this one's not archiving, but a random IRC server might be. Yeah, I trust Void Zero. Uh, Now, I'm sure Ariner is a nice guy, but I also understand that Ariner, because he owns and runs that software, has access to all of your DMs. So if you said anything ever in a DM that would get you into trouble or, uh, you know, that is available to anybody that is. The admin on a site like that, which is why most of those sites have died off and why everybody's using something like Telegram which, or Signal. Which is why it's critical to trust your admin. Yes. And if you don't trust the admin of a big site, maybe it's time to go set up your own Pleroma instance somewhere and be your own admin. Honestly, I think the Fediverse works really, really well with thousands and thousands of tiny servers. The no, you know, I, I knew that I was never going to go to No Authority Social, not because I have any problem with Ariner and not because I have any problem with the community. I'm a huge fan of the community. I'm following uh, dozens and dozens of people there. But because I knew that with No Agenda Social going down, this was my opportunity to go and do what the Fediverse excels at yeah, and you. run my own. Right, B. Bemrose.social, which is such an irony that Bemrose and Social are together and it's it's an aspirational statement <laughs> i see it doesn't actually happen it's like i thought about doing this that the same thing like okay i'll get another and i still may this well i you know i had to roll my own on my own hardware because i only do the internet in hard mode oh i like radix 023.antisocial that would be good too but I don't you know think- i did in fact it, it, it there was no chance that it hadn't been taken but i when i was looking for one I looked for anti.social. Yeah, that would be one hell of a name. <laughs> that would be one hell of a name. But I think I will try when the next time I can grab a 
raspberry pie at a decent price or it doesn't have to be a pie it could be any of those little uh, it doesn't have to be a raspberry pie i'm running this on you, you know you were saying the talking about my hardware hey my now. hardware was it was my main desktop computer back in 2012 and today this is this is a 10 year old beige box pc that i slapped an ssd in uh, pulled the graphics card out because you don't need it for headless. And it's got a, a CPU, a motherboard, uh, uh, a power supply, um, some memory. I didn't even upgrade the memory. It's only got eight gigs um, and a nice fast hard drive. And suddenly, boom, your own per personal private server. No, it does. Like the fact that the, the fact that Java can eat the CPU with only a couple people on Minecraft. Yeah. Okay. Then maybe I should have a beefier box, but at the same time, I'd rather just persecute the people so they don't want to be on as long. And then my box is perfect. Makes sense. Now, when you uh, do your uh, social media -ing now, does it feel any different? Is it slow? I mean, you're local. So I'd assume that you might even be perkier than when you were on oh, it's uh, the, the UI is particularly snappy. Um, I noticed there is not surprisingly quite a bit more uh, delay in terms of my messages going out and when replies come in. Um, and uh, I, I'm not certain that I'm getting notifications of everything just because there's a lot more network round tripping that needs to be done for all my interactions now. But I don't think it's all that much more than the amount of delay that any given person has when contacting, connecting with someone from another server. True. And anybody it, that still needs their own, you can one roll your own. Cause it seems like that wasn't, it wasn't a, a even horrible. that difficult. Yeah. This was not a horrible, I mean, you've, it was way easier. It sounded like than setting up the lightning node. Is that fair? it was, it was a lot easier than that. So, uh, Akima, one of the reasons why I landed on it is because they have some, uh, they have a, turnkey solution where they've uh, got effectively Debian binaries. You can just download and run. Now I didn't end up going with that because I would have had to fully upgrade my version of Debian, um, which I, means box downtime and, and it would have been more involved. So I ended up downloading the source and compiling from that, which probably as difficult as Pleroma or, or some other ones, but it wasn't awful. And there's certainly turnkey solutions out there where people can say, Hey, you want to set this up? Just do this. And, you know, step-by-step -step instructions, nice long instructions sheet that, you know, do this, do this, you know, uh, become root now grant permissions to, uh, this random internet user, right. um, and all of your data goes to us, you know, op open up all of these ports and make sure that you have services running. Oh, oh uh, but I, I don't know that I necessarily think that the average non-technical user wants to download and install Erlang in, in order to compile from source. But if you do, the instructions that I followed were pretty turnkey. And if you don't, there's certainly, you know, binaries out there that you can download and just put on your machine and start running. Right. And if you don't even want to do that, you can go the Masto host route or uh, the, you know, what, what's the service you use? Yeah, this one uh, graph runs. It's called Butterfly what, without any kind of uh, but, but vowels. Yeah, it's B-T-R-F dot L-Y, which is actually memorable once you do it a few yeah, times. So it's Butterfly. Yes. 
And for there, it's, <laughs> it's 15 bucks a month, which is more than an individual would want to use. But he said you could probably have at least 100 plus, you know, fairly nice. He's probably uh, got beefier hardware than I do. Yeah. But he's like, you could have like 100 people on your instance. And, you know, if you get, he said, if you got into the thousands, you'd probably have to talk to him about paying more. But for 15 bucks, if you knew, you know, hey, the best thing, I guess, if you have a 14 friends and you just keep it to 15 people, everybody throws a buck a month in and you have a nice instance there for your your uh, for your personal uh, use. So, so honestly, when setting this up, the trickiest part was probably uh, picking a domain name. Well, yeah, you didn't and, want to be social, Bemrose. And, and the most technically unpleasant part was dealing with the HTTPS encryption. Fuck you, Google, for forcing that on the whole Internet. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, everything needs at the same to be time, encrypted. Uh, Let's Encrypt has a Python bot that you can just download a module. You know, I, I'm, I'm doing everything. It's Debian, so I'm doing everything through apt-get. And I'm just, you know, apt install Let's Encrypt bot and run the bot. And it did everything that I needed, and I just needed to make sure that I fed in some secret keys and stuff. So it, it wasn't awful. It just, you know, another step you have to do. Okay, fine. Hopefully I, it'll stay up. Well, that's the trick. Yeah, that is, you know, you've just got to have a little bit more maintenance. And I think, I think I am finally reaching the point where the services that need to stay up, like my social, like my node need to not be on the same as my CPU eating things like my Minecraft. Yeah, you just need another little box sit next to the other box. So what I need to do is upgrade the one I'm sitting at so it can be my new headless box downstairs. Exactly. And I really should use, although I'm always worried about the security patches and all of that, I know that the QNAP NAS that I have, the other one's questionable, but the QNAP was at least beefy enough to run a virtual machine on, which would allow you to do a whole lot of cool stuff. But I don't know if I want to like deal with that. I don't, I don't know if I really want anything that's always available to be connected to the internet. That just seems like I'd be asking for problems. Well, the, the and the solution to that is, is co-location or, yes. uh, I know void it, zero virtual hosting. Yeah. You know, you know, void zero, uh, when, when I was, yeah, yeah, I was offered if I wanted to set this server up on, you know, well, because I. I help out Void Zero in certain ways, you know, mostly sexual favors and also running. You know what? Stream. That was the joke I was going to make. So why are you ruining it? <laughs> it's obvious. Ah, zing, gotcha. Oh, <laughs> um, zinga. I, I, it was I. I was told, hey, if you want to run this, you can. And I was like, let me run this here and see what happens. And you know, if the resource usage is crazy, then he'll retract the offer. Right. <laughs> but. For a small I, Mastodon that, service, I would think you're, or Pleroma, you're not going to. I think I'm probably fine. And I, you know, I would have been, it, it's nice to have friends online. It's nice to have people who are willing to help you out. But even if you don't, uh, this thing, one thing I am, I have determined is that it uses a lot of network and it uses a lot of storage. It doesn't use that much CPU. Now, that might be different for Mastodon, which is run in Ruby on Rails, which is absolutely the least efficient web technology ever created. And I'm even including JavaScript frameworks in wow. this. Wow. But it's um, everywhere. 
It is. It's all over the place because, and we go back to the Moore's Law corollary, the moment that you have more computing resources, more hardware resources available, sloppy programmers are going to find ways to use them all up. Right. This is Ruby on Rails is a great way to do that. Yeah. Well, this is why it was a beautiful thing when the Raspberry Pi was introduced because it forced people to consider the limitations of the device and still see what they could get out of it. Of course, since then, the Raspberry Pi capabilities have shot up and then I'm sure they've done the same thing. Which yeah. Is and just, so has the price. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. To, to the point where you can buy a small laptop that you just keep shut indefinitely yeah. for the price of a Raspberry Pi. Now. Or as you said, it's like buy somebody's laptop that they, they're getting rid of that they've had for four yeah. or five years. Still, and that is that is, by the way, if if you've got a space on a shelf somewhere that you're never going to go to. That is how you set up a home server. You just go get an old laptop or something. Yeah. And if you need uh, storage space, it's very easy to just run a USB three cable over to a uh, enclosure. You don't yep. even need a NAS. It all works. You could put a Drobo baby. This Drobo's still running. I really, I shouldn't have just said that because now it's going to blow up tonight. I, it's been so long since I've heard the word Drobo. I know. Remember, I had the one drive that went bad because not only did I buy a secondhand Drobo from somebody on No Agenda Social, thank you for whoever that was, because this thing has worked like a champ except for the power supply breaking, and I just replaced that. Works fine. I bought five drives, I think it takes. I bought five secondhand commercial drives. I mean, this place heats up in the winter. It's great. But they were... (laughs) they were like it heats up in the summer too yeah this is true that is the problem <laughs> and i'm like well let's just see i mean because they were dirt cheap on ebay and four of them are still going strong one of them took a crap they replaced it the one that they replaced it with was dead on arrival and they're like oh we're sorry oh, we don't have any more though we'll refund the price on the one so i was like dude this was this was better customer service from go hard drive or whatever the business was than you get from most Sure. And, you know, the, any company that needs customer service in order to survive is going to do better than the ones that just sit back and like, well, you have to use us. Yes. This is reconditioned commercial hard drives that I've had going now for a year and a half, two years, whatever this has been. I'm like, I'm impressed oh, the, that it even made it a year. The complaining has started in the troll room. Cotton Gin. What is this? This week in tech? Apparently, he, he, he you know what? Cotton Gin wants more AI stories. Oh, do you have? I any? think that's it. That's got to be it. Do you have any AI stories, though? Uh, well, how about um, going down the list? Uh, Business Insider. AI girlfriends are toxic and use you for your data experts warn. Yeah. OK, who didn't see this one coming? <laughs> I don't have to read the article. I mean, this is. I know this one. And it's great because they're also charging people a monthly fee. I know. I, there are some lonely motherfuckers out there. Uh-huh. It's like, like it's like I'm having a real conversation. It was like. My my AI girlfriend really cares. She asked about my day. She asked about the name of my first dog. She yeah. asked them where I lived when and I was a child. And that told me to put in another twelve ninety nine for the next week. Yeah, then I did that. And then it, it asked me uh, what my mother's maiden name was. She was very interested in every aspect of my life. She asked <laughs> what my uh, banking passwords were. It was great. I feel and, so close to my AI and then, girlfriend. And then she got really closed off after I told her the name of my elementary school. Yeah. And all of a sudden she ghosted me and my bank account disappeared. <laughs> Surprise. AI girlfriend coming soon. Oh my God. Although to be uh, fair, think- still cheaper than AI wife. 
That's true. AI wife will clean you out, but do damage on the way too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's like, wow. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like you realize the kind of information you would be giving. And it's like, do people, uh, we have talked about the fact, and this was mainly with younger girls who, if they were blackmailed, somebody created the deep fake sexual nude kind of photos, they had the same reaction as if they were real. I wonder, do people that interact with Wait, these the things, same reaction, you mean like an erection? No, I mean, like if the fake girl got, if somebody blackmailed a girl with a nude photo of her, even if she knew it oh. wasn't real. She still had the reaction, which was the same as if it was, which I will never yeah. understand. Well, yeah, the, you can't understand the 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 men. There are a lot of people out there who are incapable of thinking rationally. They can only think emotionally. And you feel if you feel violated by something, you can't explain it either. So, of course, if if they can't explain something, you can't understand it. Yes. But I want to know now if these people that are interacting with the ai girlfriended boyfriend are they really having emotionally the same kind of a conversation that they would have with a human even though they know it's one thing if you're being catfished okay given that these people are in cell bedroom basement dwellers yes i think that the level of conversation they can have with an ai girlfriend is the same as the level of conversation they are capable of having with a human being that's bizarre And that's not saying anything about the capability of AI so much as saying something about the capability of the target demographic for this product and their total lack of social skills because they've spent their entire lives on a computer staring at YouTube and TikTok and never gone out and met somebody. Does anybody here, even the ones who now have the capability to communicate with humans, does anybody remember? The very early awkward times when you weren't quite sure how to deal with other people because you were new at it, because you'd never done it before, because you were, you know, kids are dumb and awkward and stupid and and don't understand a lot of things. And the entire point of childhood and growing up is learning how to interact with people, interact with things, how to do things. And imagine living your entire life like that where you're dumb and awkward because you've shunned social interaction so much that it is easier to talk to an AI girlfriend for 12.99 a month or whatever they right. charge than it is to go out and meet a human being which a lot of people aren't doing which is why verbal communication I, I don't have a high opinion of the kind of people that have to get an AI girlfriend you're thinking because we should be rolling up a server for those we'd be just making- walk outside Believe it or not, women are not that rare. They are 50% of the people on earth, give or take. There are people out there. If if you're a guy and you cannot meet women, it's not because they're not there. It's because you need to get the fuck out of the basement. Get out of your mom's house. That's good advice. And same thing if you're female. Don't, don't cut your breasts off and make you think that you're a guy that doesn't solve it. Go out and meet guys. They're there. You need to just check in their mom's basement. Right. That's, that's, I don't know where I'm going with this. The first place you want to check. You want to just <laughs> knock on a door. If an old lady answers, say, do you have a son in the basement? Yeah. 
Because, you know, you never know a romance might start. That's a good. You can start swap stories about your AI girlfriend and boyfriend. And see if you can, if you're compatible. That's a Hallmark series waiting to be made right there. That's a meet cute. I thought, I thought my AI, no, okay, dude, dude. Okay. Here's the business. We have an intermediary server where we sell people for their $12.99 a month an AI girlfriend and AI boyfriend, but we just connect two real people. So we give, the, I like it. We give the girl who wants an AI boyfriend. We and we can bill it as the AI Tinder. Yes. It'd be great. Then they, they are very at ease. Cause they're like, well, I'm just talking yeah. to an AI. It's not a real person. Then you, wait. and then, and then we get, you know, all the complaint customer complaints coming in. Well, this AI isn't very realistic, right? It's not friendly at all. <laughs> well, those would be, that would probably be the case. Now, this AI called me a bitch. Uh-huh. Well, because then you get to be the real you because you think you're talking to an AI. But then at, well, at what point do you then raise the curtain and be like, ha ha, you're both real, dumb fucks. Oh, my God. It, 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 chat roulette with AI dating. This would be a you know what? This is a fucking reality show. Anybody out there on the networks? This is something MTV would put on right now. It's catfishing, but they, they sign up thinking it's an AI boyfriend, girlfriend thing. And then at the end, they realize that all of the communication is with a real person. That so is you, genius. But do you do you present it like a weekly game show, which would get great ratings? Or do you go for the long con and be like, this is our, our AI dating Truman show? Oh, that's a good question. Like where, how about you? Oh, th- there's, you construct a giant dome the size of Los Angeles and you fill it with real people and you convince them that every other person in the entire dome is an AI robot. Right. You are just seeing, right. You are part of the matrix. Make sure that each one of them believes that they are the only real human in there. And then give weapons. (laughs) That suddenly becomes, that's not a dating show anymore. That's a very different show. Everybody should probably have better ratings. We didn't see this coming. When people thought they could just blow, it's like playing those games, man. We can just blow everybody away. It's fine. Oh my, yeah. But now, now you, you can't do the law. You got to have seasons. Yeah. No. Yeah, and now need, it's a weekly show again. Yeah. We need, we <laughs> you, need need to, need, you need to refill it with 200 new people every week. Uh-huh. CSB, we're going to need some new meat bags. Wow. And suddenly we've invented Thunderdome. Yeah. I like the dating. I mean, the dating idea is at least a little less bloody. Maybe <laughs> the Thunderdome dating game. Uh huh. I mean, I think that's genius to be like, nope, you're talking to an AI, and then it's a real person. I think that would be a genius. I mean, I don't know how many seasons you could go because people might catch up on the uh, on the concept. But I think that would be a very social. I'd be a great experiment. 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 Yes. Yeah, I'd love a good experiment. To see how people would react. I prefer X Wintergreen personally. Yeah, well, that's good too. I mean, I used to like a good Hubba Bubba, but that's uh, hard to find now. Juicy fruit, maybe. Uh, oh, here's here's one. This actually was this was a pretty big story. Air Canada ordered to respect what its representative said. Oh Are wait, you, this was an AI uh, that yeah that, that th- told somebody something that they're like, well, that's not yeah. true. So the, there was a customer who used their the chat service on air Canada's website and wanted to know, uh, it needed to fly out a, for, I guess a, a friend died or something and asked, do you, 
you know, do you offer bereavement fares and, you know, how do I pay for it? And the chatbot said, uh, oh, of course we offer bereavement fares and listed and pointed to the spot on the website and said, and you can apply for the bereavement or to re just buy the ticket at full price and you can apply for the refund within 90 days. And he went ahead and flew and went to his friends. The, the fact that it was a friend's funeral is a great emotional gotcha attached to what otherwise is just a story of, of this company. But he then applied for his, uh, his refund for the bereavement fare and Air Canada said, Oh, I'm sorry. Rates cannot be applied to completed travel. You should have tried to get it before. And here's where it's mentioned on our website that, you know, here's the policy. And uh, the dude sued Air Canada. Air Canada claimed during the trial that the AI chatbot on their website was, quote, responsible for its own actions and does not represent Air Canada. <laughs> wow. The, the bot on the Air Canada website. Is How do I get that job, by the way? Uh -huh. I, I want... You know what? I want a, a job as a chatter on an Air Canada website. I want to just give people wrong information all the time because they will not, they will argue I'm, they're not responsible. Hey, what? The, okay. So anyway, uh, Judge had none of it um, and ruled against Air Canada. And here's the best part about it. Uh, Air Canada has been ordered to pay the, tra the customer $650.88 Canadian, which is the equivalent difference in price between the full fare and the bereavement, plus $161 in fees, interest, and penalties. Nice. So Air Canada's out a thousand bucks. I'm guessing this dude had screenshots or some kind of proof of the chat. He did have screenshots. He brought them up during the trial. Very important. If you are ever yes. doing business like this and you're relying upon that. Make sure that you have a record of what was said or told so, to you by the bot. I, I, like douchey company. I can't, I cannot believe you would even remotely try to argue that something that you put on your website is not, you know, we're not going to like, okay. The only way air Canada could have come out of this looking at all good would be immediately give the guy his $650 and be like, yeah, we're sorry. The, the chat bot was wrong, but we'll cover it anyway. And then remove the chat bot and go fix it. Right. That is, that is how you do this correctly. The forcing him to sue you and then arguing in court. Oh, well, this part of our website is not, you know, not actually part of our website. Like <clears throat> most retarded argument ever. And what are the stakes they're doing this over? Less than a thousand bucks. Right. How much did they spend on the lawyers? Well, it's a customer service thing again. I mean, one, two mistakes here. One would be that they relied on ChatGPT without understanding that it's probably not going to be 100% accurate. Oh, really? And then two, treating the customer like a crook, basically like, well, no, no, you, you yeah, can't do that. That's the, that's the fuck up as far as I'm concerned. Good customer service is hard to find. I think I've used the example before, but my parents told me they went out to dinner with a couple that they knew, you know, a few years back to one of the nice steakhouses here. And the guy ordered prime rib, but he wanted it well done, which almost nobody does. That's a rude. That's a waste of prime rib. A lot of people would agree with that. 
but they brought the prime rib out and it was still pretty rare. And he's like, no, I'd like it a little more well done. They came back with it again. It was still not well done. And the third time they brought it back and it was finally to his liking. And when the bill came, it wasn't on there. And he's like, why isn't it on there? Like, well, we didn't get it right. It's like, he didn't ask, didn't complain. He just wanted to get the food done the way he wanted it, but didn't complain. Was not like, uh, I'm not going to pay for this. And the business itself was like, you know what? We didn't get it right the first or second time. So that's customer service. And also, if I were the restaurant, I'd be a surcharge for somebody with no fucking taste. You're like, do not get anything well done. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're screwing with our chefs. They don't like to do that. They don't know how to do that. It's not, it's not in their DNA. They're like, but it's not the way I would do it. Hey, but people like strange stuff. I, yeah, I'm just, I, I am blown away that, <clears throat> yeah, that, that you could. Okay. Rule of thumb for any AI story is try to determine, is this only a story because somebody dropped the word AI in it? It's right. AI exceptionalism is in vogue in, in tech news today, and it's frustrating. But this one in particular is only a story because if a human being had chatted on Air Canada's website and given the wrong information, what would they have done? Well, okay, the same damn thing. Yeah. If they're particularly stupid, they might have argued that this human is only responsible for themselves and that, uh, you know, even though we paid him and we gave him keys to our website that, you know, we don't actually agree with anything they say. And then you've got yourself a... a, a, Yeah, well, people do misunderstand the laws i mean you've worked retail if when i was at circuit city people swore that if something was in the ad you had to honor it. So okay if that ten thousand dollar tv there was a mix-up and the ad shows it is a one thousand dollars instead of ten thousand and the companies that don't want bad press will honor it yes although you know depending on how much of a bath you're taking right well that's it you know (laughs) if it's a small mistake they'll eat it if it's a huge mistake that you can be like you know that was a mistake you this wasn't yeah bait and switch this wasn't you know that I mean, the, if it was obvious it was a mistake yes. but but saying that oh the you know you can apply for a refund within 90 days doesn't right. sound like a mistake no well i mean but people would come in and be like i know the law you have to give that to me and it's like no and and also some things have changed since you were in retail because back then if you misprinted an ad and said a thousand dollar TV was 10 bucks, then that ad was in there. You can't retract it. And you know, first person comes in and you're like, no, this is wrong. I'm sorry, but I'll honor it. Then the next hundred people come in and you're losing your shorts. Right. That's not how it works though. Now, because now the first person comes in and says, Hey, your website says that this TV is 10 bucks. You're like, Oh yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. You know what? You can have it for 10 bucks, but we're changing the website right now. Right. Well, I've heard stories with companies like Amazon where if it was a big enough mistake that they then canceled the order before shipping it out and, and not honoring it, which I also get, it can happen, you know, but you get bad press. The question is, when is it worth bad press? Right. Air Canada is out a thousand dollars plus God knows how much lawyers fees, plus a naughty, incalculable amount of bad reputation gain. Yeah, but here's because the Because they wouldn't thing. honor what this stupid chatbot said. The most important question is, are they still based in Canada? 
Well, they're probably a government monopoly. I don't know anything about Air Canada, <laughs> but the way Canada works is usually that there's only one possible way of doing things. And therefore, if you are unhappy with them, then fuck you. Blame Canada. Like, that might not be true. And I might be totally dissing on Canada, but there's that's over socialized countries where they're like, well, things are far more efficient if we just nationalize the, you know, this one carrier and remove all competition because now, even though they have absolutely no incentive to make their customers happy because it's the only option in town, uh, we've decided that somehow miraculously it can be more efficient, which it never is. Canada, the country that brought us Justin Trudeau and cold acid. Didn't bring us, it might've brought us cold acid once in it didn't bring us Justin Trudeau. We sent his ass back. Keep sending him right back over the border, baby. Then again, I think we sent cold acid back too. Yeah, we haven't heard from him in a while. I think he's uh, in hiding. I, he was on Rare Encounter just last week. On purpose? It, it might have been an accident. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's very accident prone with that show, I think. Well, we hope everybody uh, supports this show for there to be another one next Wednesday. We'll just wait here. Oh, you you know there will be another one. We'll wait here in silence for you to uh, donate. Okay. Everybody go donate now. We're not going to finish this show until you've donated. We're just going to sit here. We're going to wait. In silence? In silence. It's even I'm not better. saying anything at all. La, la, la. You can't hear me. <laughs> what, 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 I don't think it works that way. La la la! It's, it's a podcast. What are we supposed to do? That's right. It's just just leave. We don't actually have to do it. We could just leave like fifteen minutes. Of also, silence. I I just point out, you and I both damn well know that neither one of us is capable of not saying shit. True, but we could just do it on somebody else's shows. We we would literally have to. We'd have to use technological means. We would have to go back, edit the show afterward and artificially place silence in because you and I do not have the capability to not talk for that long. True. And we both know that we don't go back and edit the show. And if there's, so if there's, it's if, an empty threat. If there's 15 minutes of silence right now, then the show was, then, then you fucked edited. something up. <laughs> the show was obviously edited. But we hope you join us. You can be live on the No Agenda stream. You can go to trollroom.io Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time. That's when all the fun happens. And support the shows you love or they might just disappear. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker. Deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where at least I ain't in Canada. And from America's left coast, I'm Ryan Bemrose, and it is now safe to turn off your computer. Now? Or is it? Now? Now? Wait. When? Truth is, nothing's safe.